Hey, welcome to the Sanctuary Church podcast. Sanctuary Church is a family following the path of Jesus together in Providence, Rhode Island. If you'd like to learn more about our community, you can visit our website at sanctuaryri.org or check us out on social media. Thanks for stopping by, and we hope you are encouraged by today's teaching. And with that, assuming I didn't forget anything else, great. Thanks, Joy. Uh, Would you stand one more time for the reading of the word? Philippians 1. We've been in the book of Philippians, a letter written from a guy named Paul to a church in Philippi. He's writing from jail, and he mentions the word joy and rejoicing uh, 16 times in a very, very short four-chapter book that takes you like 12 minutes to get through. Something is either very right or very wrong with this guy. He's in jail. He's going through hardship, and he is like, I am full of joy. You better be full of joy. Learn the secret of contentment. And then he just starts dropping things like this, this passage we're going to read today. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of my brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy or rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposedly that they can stir, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. But what does it matter? What does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I, we all say this together. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. I will rejoice. Yes, I will continue to rejoice. He talks about being in chains. As a result, it's become clear through the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. He is referencing, um, or he is, we have a reference to what this scene and scenario was. If you turn with me to Acts 16, verse 25, I want to read you a little story here. It'll also be up on the screen. Everybody doing all right? Guys, today we have a bit different of a sermon. I'm not going to like preach for the next 35 minutes. We have a story that we're going to tell that's going to really embody, I think, what Paul's getting at. So in a minute, I'm excited to welcome up these hooligans. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and other prisoners were listening to him. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open. Paul's in jail, in a Roman jail, an earthquake happens, and everyone's chains come loose. They're praising, they're worshiping in jail. How are you doing, and are you worshiping in jail? What hardship do you feel like no one else is going through? You don't understand, Andrew. Don't give me the like Jesus juke thing. But how many of you need to hold in tension what has come up again and again in this series? Not spiritually bypassing, 
not hiding from our pain, acknowledging the very reality that I'm grieving, that there's trauma, that there's ache, and also there's something more powerful than the ache, more beautiful, and that there is hope that will actually help carry me through the grit and grime and ache and doubt and darkness that exists over there. Friends, friends, you can dance and you can worship in jail. I don't know what you got going on, but that is a testimony. I could just be done. I could just be done. You done that? <laughs> you talked to Edison about his, his time dancing and worshiping in jail. I should probably keep going with the text, but I'm out here on the subwoofers. and I got to walk all the way back. Stand by. There's a violent earthquake. (laughs) At once, the prison doors flew open. Everyone's chance came loose. The jailer woke up because there was an earthquake. And when he saw the prison doors, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself. Why? I don't have any good ideas. Honor, shame, culture. He failed at his job. He has one job to do. If the prisoners were to escape, it's basically game over. We don't know about all the ins and outs of what were happening in this jail here. But this, this, which was the precursor, precursor to the planting of a church in Philippi. He's in a moment of going, oh my gosh, it's over. Now I want you to climb into the mind of Paul for a minute. He's praying and worshiping, honoring God, rejoicing just because it's what you do because it's an average day and whether I'm in jail or I'm in the palace, God's still good. He's just doing his thing. One scholar says, it seems as though Paul just eats, sleeps, and breathes Christ. To live as Christ, to die as gain is what he'll get to in a minute. We just run that over like that's really nice religious language. Like, to die is gain. He gets into this longer more into this passage. Actually, it'd be really sweet. If you're a Christian, you're like, I'm pretty ready to go home. I don't know if anyone else feels that. If not, man, you love this world a little too much. I love this world. God loves this world. He's going to make it good and going to make it right again. But he's like, man, what I want more than anything else is to be home. But there's some reasons I should stay. That same picture gets grafted onto this moment right here because he should leave. The jail just opened up. He should go now, right? Everyone follow me. He should go now. He is in jail for an unjust reason, God seemingly broke the chains or just an earthquake happened at like a like critical moment that allowed for him to be free. The jailer's asleep. I imagine it was like a cloud of dust or whatever else is going on because the jailer's like, oh my gosh, they're out. Reaches for his sword. I'm like, I, I can't, this is, I might as well just kill myself because of the punishment that's gonna come for me of letting this happen. And then the cloud of dust fades. And what's Paul doing? He's just chilling there. Not a great escape artist. He's just sitting there. Again, I'm not gonna pretend and any preacher who tries to pretend to know all the motives of Paul in this moment is lying to you. But it is interesting that Paul does decide to stay. Does Paul know that that's gonna be the result of what happens? Is Paul more interested in going, hey, you know what? I'm gonna continue to like do what I will write (laughs) in Romans 13. And go, I'm going to submit to the authorities as far as I'm able. I'm in jail. It's unjust, but I'm in jail. I'm going to stay here. 
and continue to witness. I, I don't know. I, I don't know, and I'm not going to pretend. But I do know that Paul seems to really care and love this man because what happens next is Paul has this opportunity, an open door to the gospel. I could leave and escape jail, or I could preach the gospel, or I could proclaim the thing that's better than anything else in the whole world ever. Like, I, this is what causes him joy we read about in Philippians. People are proclaiming the good news. This is so good. I am rejoicing and so happy. Even when there are broken motives, if Jesus is Lord is being proclaimed, if people might get insight and might hear about the greatest love the world has ever known, that they might know about their calling and might be rooted in peace and their identity, that they might know the way of life. He's like, man, I'm going to stick around versus care for my own self-interest. And friends, we have to, we walk a fine line with that. To live is Christ, to die is gain. Jesus says, pick up your cross. And we have sometimes found ways to maneuver out of that in the name of boundaries. Love boundaries. God always do this. Love boundaries. Rest is good. Jesus gets away. It's okay to take care of yourself. But when he calls, you go. You go. Even if it violates the boundaries, you go. Picking up your cross is a hard thing. Paul could have escaped, and for whatever reason, he stays. The jailer thinks he's going to be gone, but he stays. He stays. He stays. I like to imagine this is just his love for people is so deep. He knows what's going to become of this maybe young man. He knows what's going to become of him. And he stays. An opportunity to share the gospel, a way that this man's not going to take his life. I'm, I'm going I'm to stay. Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. Don't harm yourself. Like, don't. Don't do it. We're all here. We're all here, buddy. <laughs> I don't know why it's buddy. We're all here, little buddy. We're all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved. He's like, I don't know what just happened. Y'all are crazy. Would you please share a little bit of whatever that was with me? I was supposed to give you guys some time. <laughs> just getting into this, bro. All right, I'm with a few more minutes. They replied, <laughs> believe, believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. Real quick, just for those of us who have some um, particular form of Western theology that is not super helpful, believe here is trust. It's the word pistos, trust in me. It's not like believe Jesus was a thing. Having like some, like, like just checking a box of I intellectually believe Jesus is Lord, I guess I can do that. It's trust, covenantal, pistos, moving towards him. 
trust that he's Lord. Trust that he's king. Begin to reorient your whole life, your citizenship, the way you view your money, the way you view violence, the way you view justice, the way you view unity, compassion. Begin to orient it all around Jesus. There's a lot loaded in that. That is the gospel. Jesus is king. Before the gospel is anything else, it is Jesus is Lord. He dies on the cross and rose again. That's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15. That is the gospel. The good news that he's king. Believe. Then he spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Now you've got the jailer washing the wounds. This is such a great story. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal, but he's cooking for him now. Once, once persecutor, now servant. Maybe this is what happens when we love our enemies. We turn enemies into friends. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before him. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. When it was daylight, the magistrates sent their officers to the jailer with this order, release those men. The jailer told Paul, the magistrates have ordered that you and Silas be released. Now you can leave, go in peace. So all of this, I didn't get into the background of what a jail is, but you may be thinking of like a cell, but these were more like houses and house arrests. So he comes and cares for them and then are finally allowed to be free to actually go. What a wild picture. If you go back really quickly to Philippians. Because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. And then he says in 18, the important thing is that in every way, Christ is preached. And because of this, I celebrate. Because of this, I rejoice. See, Paul's got a number of reasons in the book of Philippians about rejoicing. Brittany reminded us, it has his presence with us in the midst of our deepest ache and pain. It is there that we discover the hope of restoration and of healing that leads us to joy. You've got pictures of what it is to turn and see and turn aside and see the wonder of what it is to experience the worst the world can throw at us and have a disposition that is different than just happy, sad. Cornel West famously said, I, do, I am not an optimist or I'm, I'm not a pessimist. He said, I don't live in those two categories. He said, I am a prisoner of hope because of my faith in Jesus. A prisoner. He's a prisoner of hope. He uses that prisoner language, I think, on purpose. MLK used the same prisoner language while he was in jail in Birmingham writing, writing a letter that, like, in so many ways mirrored Philippians, had all these references to it. There's something about being a, you can be imprisoned by the brokenness and ache of the world, or you can be imprisoned by hope and joy in the midst of the ache of the world. And Paul, for all the different reasons that he spells out for us of how to rejoice, says, one of the reasons that brings me to joy, one of the things that leads me to celebration, one of the things that allows me to master the art of contentment, he says, is rejoicing in the salvation of others. 
rejoicing in God's salvation. He talks about his own, which we'll get to, but he talks about others. Christ's being preached. How could this not lead you to joy? And this morning, if it's not leading you to joy, you're like, yeah, that's cool. Other people come to know Jesus. That's cool. Um, we're going to put some flesh on this. So I want to welcome up um, Jeremiah and James. Um, a few years ago, about two years ago, we um, partnered with an organization um, called Young Life. Um, anyone know anything about Young Life? Here, give the quick elevator. What is Young Life? Yeah, quick, ele- ooh, ooh, ooh. Hey, quick elevator, um, I guess just for context, uh, Young Life is a ministry. We call it an incarnational ministry. So it's a beautiful ministry. You can't shout out Texas and New England. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. We got like four. Yeah. We got enough here. Um, So it started in Texas uh, back in like the 1950s. Um, And the goal was essentially a youth pastor, had great kids come to the church, whatever, but they had a high school right across the street. And none of those kids came to the church. And they realized in their town there was such a missed opportunity for kids to meet Jesus that their parents weren't already pushing them. So basically what the ministry has been since then is adults who know the Lord, love him, serve him, going into the lives of kids who don't yet, and just being alongside them and living with a surrendered life that preaches Christ. Um, so, yeah. Oh, that's great. So two years ago, we, um, because actually of, um, I think Johanquist first, the Andrasics, Jeremiah, there was like this groundswell of people who had been impacted. I didn't know anything really about Young Life at all and had been really impacted by this ministry. There was a chapter up here and two years ago, Sanctuary would like, let us know what you need. We, we want to be the wind in your sails as you start this uh, and begin to like allow this to be like a mission outpost in our city. Uh, and then tell us about, you know, just really quickly, the last couple of years have not been ideal. They've been a bit of a struggle. Yeah. Um, so absolutely. So Jeremiah and I have been friends for like ever. He was one of the person in my life that like from the time I think we were in seventh grade, we were spiritually connected and like we were part of each other's lives in Christ really since that time. And it's been a journey ever since. And so I've seen, I've, I saw and was witness to some of the things he was getting involved with in San Antonio. Yeah, so I I have been leading Young Life the last, like, 10 years prior to moving here, eight years or so prior to moving here. Um, And James and I would talk about it all the time. We would talk about just the beauty of seeing kids' lives transformed. Um, I was in medical school, in undergrad, whatever, and just getting time with kids that were inner-city Austin, inner-city San Antonio, living in what many of us probably know about, just the bondage of our culture, especially in black and Hispanic communities where what you are preached as a good life is not. Like, it is, it is lesser than what Christ has for us. Um, and unfortunately, these kids that I was walking with, many had heard of Christ but did not know him and did not experience his joy. And we would talk about all the times and, like, stories of kids just being absolutely transformed, going from, like, man, this is me making it to, like, experiencing the goodness of Christ and just being forever changed by it. 
Um, and when we talked about that, James had this vision of us coming together. Like I literally moved here to do this with him. And we were like so stoked. <laughs> we had such a vision for it. And we looked at this city and James can tell yeah, you more about that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so you know, we came up here because of my wife's faith. Megan um, went to, came up here for PA school and we kind of we fell in love with this place. But we also, after living here for two years, we saw the brokenness of the city. Um, and really, when I say the city, it epitomized what the world goes through and, 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 and what Christ has for us. But there's pockets such as just beauty and amazingness and joy and fun, and there's pockets of brokenness. And we like we felt that and we saw that we observed that as not being native New Englanders, and it made us like really evaluate where we came from and how this compares and all that kind of stuff. But we, we saw it the most kind of epitomized at Hope, Hope High School. For those of you that don't know, Hope High School is like a local a local school, and it's it's in the east side on the east side, and it's surrounded by Brown, the Wheeler School. There's another one I can't remember. It's just one of the most well-resourced area in. in in the in the, it's the most well-resourced area in the city, yet Hope High School is not as well-resourced, and the kid, a lot of the people that go to Hope High School aren't from the East Side, and it's like, man, how? how and we got involved through kind of connections of the church of um, uh, with that, and we saw that we we wanted, I, I, I just felt like a call to like I wanted the life that. Christ has for us for those kids and for like this city and I like we just as Meg and I talked and we shared that vision with Jeremiah we're like oh my gosh how incredible would it be to bring young life to start at hope like what would that look like and it, yeah and yeah yeah sorry <laughs> um, yeah I'm really I'm kind of nervous guys but <laughs> but I'm also like I'm also like. Just like really, really, I'm just like really excited to see what God's doing right now. It's like overwhelming. Yeah. You should go. Yeah. I'll. I'll. I think I've. I've heard how James feels about this, and so as we set out to do that, we. We're so excited, but yet there were so many roadblocks we just came up against. And just to name a few, I mean, there were family deaths, there was loss, there was difficulties within the, the climate of ministry we were stepping into and the way things have been done, but that we felt like they needed to be done now with the city, with these kids. And our hearts were just burning to see it done. And we were convinced, convicted that it needed to happen but yet, over and over and over again, we were just getting the wind knocked out of our sails, if you will. And it was, yeah, I mean, it was. And we were running, but it felt like our efforts were not enough for it to happen. And it, things kept falling apart. And we were just incredibly, incredibly discouraged as it felt like we failed God and what he had for us here. And then God did. Uh, yeah, no, God did. God did. I'll, I'll tell you, we sat, we sat, it was right around the 4th of July. We sat at Megan, James's wife's family house, and we were talking, and we had this camp trip coming up. And let me tell you, Young Life Camp is truly the sweetest little bit of heaven on earth. Yeah, you know what's up. Yeah, I know. Where's Elizabeth? Where are you? Yeah, go ahead. Thank you. Um, 
it is it is the most beautiful place and we had 10 slots for kids to go to camp from hope high school which like i said our hearts are just yoked to right now because anyways um we had 10 slots we had two kids signed up like i said we were just getting like a week before about to leave truly and we we felt like there was nothing we could do about it we had tried everything we could we had strategized as much as possible but nothing we were doing was working and finally we came to this point where it was like what we had personally gone through the last seven months of Lord, how do we just surrender ourselves to you? What work do you need to do to make the work you envision and you want for us come about? We just said that about this. We said, look, we have no more game plans. There's no plan B. God, do what you want to do. We have nothing to lose. And we just ran. And let me tell you, our minds were blown. Seven kids got on, got in a minivan in my Jeep and came with us. Yeah, out of nothing. So we were running around all over Providence get, trying to get logistical needs to get bring kids from Providence to, to New York taken care of, like, right before we're about to leave, just to get them in the van to go. And then, and then we drove to camp. Yeah, so camp, so camp, it was just incredible to see all seven of the kids that... <laughs> Yeah, like all seven of the kids, like personally. That guy doesn't cry. That, he doesn't cry. This is the second time he's cried in like three years, I, I think. I don't cry. <laughs> like ever. Um, yeah, all, all seven kids, like we can like say, experience the love of God in, in like a, a way that was so unique to them. And they're just, we could tell stories all day, but just to have like one of them being one of the guys that we met through football um, on the side, we met all these kids as football coach volunteering, my wife and Deja uh, were, were, were volunteering at, at Hope for the cheer team. And so we've gotten to know kids. And so we kind of knew this kid. And he was a guy that like he had, was such a strong personality and in, in that like he had the opportunity for so much good or also like can really like send the group in a negative direction. And we went to the fall weekend last weekend, last year with him, and he came to, to camp, was excited to come to camp, but he was blown away with what, who God was, and he was just, like, awestruck in, in realizing that, like, oh, if I sin, I can, like, God will take that from me, and not, not just once. I, 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 can, I can sin more than, one, more than one time, and God loves me despite um, my sinful nature, and he's he, he's a guy that was just thinking critically and like in the depths of his heart, looking for something. When like he kind of knew God and wanted to be close to God, but didn't know how to do that. And so to see him at the beginning of the week be there, and at the end of the week having conversations like, "Hey, I trust God. This was a moment for me that I'll remember my entire life. I want, I'm saying yes to God." And yes. Wow. Yes. And, and, and to paint the beauty of that, even one, like just to take it all the way there for you, this is a kid. He comes from a single parent home, a really, really young mother, a beautiful mother. She is incredible. She is such a good mother to him, but no father figure. The brokenness all around him steadily seeping yeah. into his life. And like James said, a polarizing kid where honestly, if the culture around him got his hands, got yeah. their hands on him, 
he could be so dangerous. And, and it was starting to, because he, like, he confided to us some of the things he was getting into right yeah. before camp. And yeah. Mom, we were talking about that with his mom, yeah. the things he was getting into like the day before camp. And then the, and the transformation to now, he's, his, he has the joy in his heart and is wanting to trust God. And, and, and he's still a kid, you know, like we all. He's, he has tasted and seen he's tasted and the seen goodness of God. And, and, saying, and his yes, life will never be the same. I'm, I'm willing and that was one of the big things at the camp. We asked the kids, like, are you willing to, to open the door for God? You know, he's been knocking. Like, like, I can tell, just like I told the kids, if you're here in this room, like, God is knocking on the door. And, like, what's, what's to come in? <laughs> and the kids, the kids opened the door. And it was just cool to see, like, they all open the, open the door. And they want, they want the door to stay open. They want the door to stay open to God in their lives. Yeah. And just to bridge that to where we are now after camp, if that's okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, we, we came back um, just yesterday. If y'all can appreciate James Tan, uh, this is, I'm going to fill you in on that. Um, we, I'm a lobster. <laughs> we, we came back just yesterday and um, had kind of like a two-week camp reunion for these kids. And um, the heart of it was to get them back together. Because I'm telling you, at the end of the week, we had one girl cry for like 30 minutes on repeat because she could not imagine leaving this community she had just found. She found a community in these other kids while they were all being influenced by the love of God and people that love God and yeah. just want to love and serve them yeah. that she bawled her eyes out. And we have this other kid. I'm sorry. I'm going to stop in just a second. I'm going to stop in just a second. But we have this other kid who couldn't even explain what he was feeling with that. He, he had no words. He had no words. He we're fell on the we ground. He was sitting on the table He's a 300-pound lineman, and he fell on the ground. He ran away and, and just started crying. And, and all, the kid, all the kids came and surrounded him. And, and prayed over him. And prayed over him. And prayed over him. And, and I, I, I really like just to paint how transformational this is, I bet you not hardly one of those kids was praying coming into that week. And they just loved on – they just laid on him and loved on him. And that's that's like – the hearts that got changed while we were there. So we came back yesterday and we're sitting there with the kids and shout out to Robin and Deja right here for helping us out too. They came out and they showed love. They brought food, they brought a tent, they helped babysit. Um, not any of the kids' kids, like our kids. Our kids. Um, <laughs> but um, man, we sat with these kids. We had a beautiful kind of um, semblance of what they had at camp for them, where we took kids surfing, which was dangerous, but we took kids surfing and had fun they at had the fun. beach. And then at the end, sat down and, and just gave them a chance to reflect, man, what did you experience at camp? And what are you experiencing now that you're back in the world? Because that place is a hiatus. That place is a safe haven full of the spirit. And this world, as we know, is not. And, and coming back here, one thing we heard over and over from the kids was that, that question of are you willing? And if, if, if that door is getting open for you to know Christ, where is it now? We heard so many kids say the door feels like it's getting cracked, like it's getting closed a little bit. But I still want to keep it open. Yeah. But I still want to keep it open. And it was just burst for us. This yeah, and, and it, it was crazy how much I related. I've been following Christ for six seven years now but when they're one of when kids like oh, i feel like it's closing a little bit since i've been back home like that was for me like i feel like we all the world that we live in the the door if we're, if we're not careful the door kind of has that spring on it and it naturally starts to close right i'm sure we've all experienced that and like say hey we need things to stay healthy to stay in community 
to read the word together, to grow as one another in Christ. And that's, and that's I think, where we're, head, where we're headed is we, like, we went to accompany those kids. And, like, they're all so excited. They're, like, wanting to share, bring people in to the joy that they found. And it's, like, we feel, we feel like we've gotten a glimpse to, like, what God's going to continue to do in Providence. <laughs> And we're just trying to we're just trying to like r- run with it the best we can, but we're like we're like really busy. <laughs> yeah, know? yeah. Like, so to to tell you where we're at now yeah. and and give you the context of what we think is happening moving forward, um, James works full time for Santa Fe. Does a lot of big planning. Has a, a five month old little man back shut there. Up, shut up, just, Axel. Can we like raise him in the air? Or is he asleep? Like, can we? Voice? He's sleeping. Never mind. Sorry. Yeah. Um, but, uh, and then I'm an emergency medicine resident um, right now at Brown. And like, our lives are busy. I work 70 hours a week. But like, we get in the lives of kids. And I don't say that to say like, oh, look how busy I am. And look no. what I'm doing. I say that to say there is space in our lives to be fully submitted to Christ and to answer that call. Yeah. And when you do it, the joy is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. The joy is ridiculous. I feel like I was, I was sitting resonating with that because I was thinking about like Paul being in chains and him being like, yet my joy, like yet I do, like it's so that Christ is preached, Christ is glorified, Christ is exalted. And like our lives, I can just tell you in this manner, I have not felt in years yeah. that it, exalts Christ as much as it does now. I've not felt the thoroughness in my spirit the way I do now. And, and I say that to say, we need people to come into this ministry. This In this yeah. city right now, there are so there are thousands of kids around here in this metro area that do not know Christ. Maybe they go to church. Maybe their family's from a church background, but that doesn't mean the culture's not creeping in on them, trying to pull them away. To close the door, if you will. Yeah, and, and absolutely. I feel like where we are now, it's like God's shown us that it can't be us that does it. It's got to be him. And we're, we're realizing, okay, we can't do everything. We can't be all things, all people. But, like, our hands are open and can give what we can. And we're also saying, like, hey, can we get some help? Like, if there's anybody that has any capacity of any certain kind, whether it be. If, <laughs> I'm going to take a. Whether it be, like, hey, I want to, like be with the kids. I want to be a part of this ministry. I have Mondays off and I want to be around. I want to like, I, I'm free. I'm a young, young adult or like I, I have time. I can carve out to be a regular person in kids' life and walk alongside that, this. Or, hey, I don't have the capacity, but I love what y'all are saying. I want to support it in some kind of way. I do have, I can babysit a little bit like from time to time if you ever need a babysitter. Or, Hey, I can make a meal once once every two months and bless kids with a, with a meal, so that we don't have to worry about. Oh, we have to make a meal so we can share the gospel. We can just share the gospel and disciple without having to worry about a place or a meal or or a place to gather. Even if you have like space in your house and you just love sharing it with with the church to say like, Hey, come use our pool or come you know run around in our backyard or whatever it may be. It would just be like helpful to have support to say like if we could shoot a text and say like hey does anyone have like some folding tables or chairs that we could use for an event just to like we just we just need help you know we just need help so there's it's just really two the two camps is like hey i would love to join y'all and and be there and, and join this ministry head on and or 
I want to join y'all and just support y'all for the things that y'all need as you come up. And I think the question that we have, that's the kind of like the, the ask for the church is that. Yeah. So, I don't know. <laughs> I get, honestly, I get, I was watching Andrew preach today and like sometimes I'm feeling it, sometimes I'm not. You know, like if I'm being honest, but like I, I see, no, no, but for real. There's a lot of honor in when, this when house. He, when he's Ton. like Ton. Up, up here, like preaching the word, like, can you believe what Paul did? Oh my gosh. Like what? Like, that's how I feel right now. It's like, I see why he's like that all the time. It's because like, he's, he's experiencing what God has in people's lives throughout in the church, in the church body. And he can't help but to like, ah, or do whatever he does. I don't know. Like, it's just like, I get it, you know? So it's so funny you say this. So how I wanted to wrap this before we close with communion is literally that. No, no, listen to me. I had a game plan. I was away on vacation most of last week. Um, I've been, I've, I take July off usually from teaching for the most part. So I had something that I wanted to share. And then um, when you and I talked, um, you know, it was somewhat related to this, but I just felt a deep pivot. And as an example of, I don't always, maybe I do more often than I think, but like that joy that maybe you sensed or that <laughs> decibel volume increase had so much to do with talking to you for an hour the other day. Like, it was experiencing the joy all over again from these two of what the Lord had done. And it's just, and it's just like witnessing God move. Like, what? The creator of the universe is here in our midst, and we get to see him move. And, like, it's not us, it's him, but he uses us if our hands are open. Amen. He wants to use everyone, everyone in our church. Amen. Amen. I know I use this is so tired at this point, but I only got one, one, one life and one set of analogies. But man, I think about football all the time. You know, you and I love sports. We all love sports. Like, and you just, the way I see myself or others get riled up at a game with a bunch of overpaid men and women in spandex running around the field. You know what I mean? And we get psyched on that. How much more? How much more? How much more? Should this place be lit than a Foxborough stadium? Yeah. How much more? Absolutely. And I know everyone's got their own ways of emotionally engaging. If at a football game, you're like, woo, then let it be that. But let us, let this house be marked by its passion for the things that matter most. Can we pray for these guys? Holy Spirit, I thank you for the work that you've done. I thank you for the call they put on their heart. I thank you for the stories that ring in their soul from when they were kids of experiencing um, your grace and your joy and seeing others experiencing it, experiencing it together. This stuff doesn't happen in a pocket. We know that. So I just, I thank you, Lord. I'm just the best things, Lord, that you've given birth, that have given birth to our, in our church have not come from like pastoral leadership. They have come from people who have said, like I'm, I'm here and I'm in and I'm a part of this family and there's a call on my heart. Um, and I just thank you, Lord. I thank you for young life. I thank you for all the good that's come from it. I thank you specifically for the turning of the tide of young life in Providence. Let's just name that. It is a different era and a different moment and we believe a better one. Um, so Holy Spirit, would you um, help us as a church uh, know how to come alongside, not as something that's separate from our church, but a part of it. Young Life in Providence is a part of our church. This is a part of what it is for us collectively. Even if we never really do anything like specifically with it, this is like our family and it is our call to help support and care for and give to 
and provide for the thing that you're doing here. Um, Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would um, just speak so clearly and strongly to the voices or to the, the people in this room right now who are feeling that prick of, I, I need to get involved in this specifically. Or maybe there's something else that has just, this has pricked your attention. Oh, God, you put that call on my heart to move forward, to care for those folks, to just demonstrate or announce the gospel in this way. Maybe I just have that friend who I just like, I, I, I don't know how to talk to them about Jesus, and God has just brought them to mind. Holy Spirit, would you just burn that onto our hearts? God, help us to respond rightly, faithfully in this moment. Bless these two. Bless Deb and Nick for the way they opened their house for, for Megan. Thank you, Lord. Pray all this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Um, we're going we're gonna to close by taking communion together. I, I want to name something that sometimes happens in the room with things like this. And I don't put this on everyone by any means. But I think for some of us, there is a sophistication bias when it comes to something like evangelism. There's something um, that like, kind of, uh, we distance ourselves from this because immediately what tends to rattle up is all like the hard things or the awkward things or, you know, that's, uh, I feel like it's going to be perceived as unloving, the exclusive claim of Jesus Christ being Lord of all. And I just want to encourage us. We've talked about this over the years. This is gently as I can actually. Like we need to break the fear of man, some of us, off us. Just need to break it. This doesn't mean you become the weird version of evangelist in your head. No, you're you. You have your gifts and your demeanor and your personality and the way you're wired and the experiences that you have, the hurts and trauma and joy that is in your life. And God will use all that if it's submitted to him and being, oh, being ready to walk through the open door. Paul regularly says in Colossians, he's praying for open doors to the gospel. It's almost like he's walking around just going like this. Is there an open door there? Only God can do that, but God will open the door. And the beauty of this young life story, the thing that resonates every time I've heard it talked about is that we did not do this. I cannot emphasize. Not like that weird, humble Christian brag thing that people do. Like, oh, it wasn't, it wasn't me, really. It was God. It was me. No, like literally like this thing came together in the weirdest way, in the most strange, out of control way. And God did what God always does is he invites us. He invited James and Jeremiah and the Androsics into this journey into this part of the story. And so now, on is it going to be Monday nights, guys? Monday nights, they're going to begin to disciple. Starting this Monday, they're discipling these kids every Monday. My hope and dream is like they're going to be at church. Like they're going to start coming. And so these two invitations that, again, you can find those um, if you scan the QR code there for specifically for um, Young Life. As James said, there's the wraparound team you can join which is basically you think you might have something to offer. You would love to get those phone calls for when it's something like that needs to be provided for or cared for or babysitting for some of the leaders. So if you'd like to join that team, you just want to be on call. Like put your name in the hat. Like take a minute right now before we like take communion together. Scan the code or just write wraparound team on the high card and drop it at the next steps bar. And the other thing the other thing you can check is I'd like to know more about actually being in the room when they're being discipled. I just was, I won't call you out by name, but I was just talking with a couple two days ago who were talking about getting more involved in leadership within the church. 
And both of them were like, I think we want to get involved more in youth. And we don't, as you know, like, we don't have a, a, a ton of youth in our church, like in that high school age. And so one of the big questions is, is how does what we want to see begin to really give forth of like mentorship and a youth group forming within our church, how does that actually intersect in some way with Young Life? And so if that's you, you know you have like a heart for that age. You love to go and just hang out with kids. Maybe you don't know how to disciple, but you're that like ever-present caring person who just like, how you, there's something in your heart that's broken for, for kids. Like you just love to be around them and encourage them and call out their they're just who they are and provide safe spaces. Will you sign up for the team? Just an interest night. Like to find out a little bit more. Would you do that? So again, hit that QR code, Young Life, sign up for that. And then third, we mentioned this in announcements, Love Providence. If you'd like to be a part of just helping shape the vision of more opportunities, again, to demonstrate and announce the good news. We don't separate these things. We announce and proclaim that Jesus is Lord and we act and show that out through justice and mercy. And so if you're interested in being in the room as we begin to shape that and go forward with more um, uh, precise and communal opportunities to do that. And then lastly, I'll just say, if you have a call in your heart, there's something in your bones that's stirring, like I've been wanting to start this for so long, write it down on that high card and send it in. Or you can go to the website and click on the start something tab and begin there. But like, don't let the moment go. I know I say that all the time, don't let it go. I'm trusting that God's doing something in the hearts of people in our church. You're being invited to get in the game. Let's get in the game. You're being invited to pray. You wanna be on that wraparound team just as you're already on the prayer team, but you wanna let them know that you are gonna be committed in the hours you already have blocked off to pray to intercede for them. Put your name on that list so you can encourage them. Their story is our story. The story of what God's doing in our lives and in our hearts, we are wrapped up and bound up in one another. This is the way of Jesus. Holy Spirit, we thank you for the words of Paul that remind us and call us back um, to that, uh, that vision of being people who uh, rejoice because the gospel's being preached, who rejoice in people like finding home or tasting home. I was having a hard time holding it in. Look at those pictures. Like, you're, <laughs> the, uh, man, the, <laughs> the announcement of the church's decline is just so just overblown. And just overblown. You are making out like just a more faithful and potent church. And we see it in moments like this. People finding their way home. You calling them home. You running up the road to them. You extending amazing grace. How sweet the sound. So the last thing, I guess, Spirit, I would ask of you today, for myself and for everybody sitting here, is that you again would restore unto us the joy of your salvation. Restore again unto me the joy of what it was to find home and allow that to just catapult us into our week of being people who eat, sleep, and breathe you. Church, let's
Church, let's prepare our hearts to come uh, to the table now. And as we do this, it's kind of the last act of our service today. Um, we turn our attention specifically to the grace that is found at this table. 